But I went to this conference for people who had this rare disease. And in this disease, um, it only happens to uh, women who usually are around childbearing age, where over a period of time, their lungs get uh, pinprick-sized holes in them that start expanding, and they become less able to, to breathe and have the oxygen that they need to just do normal things. Now, if you had this particular disease, um, if you were an athlete and you were used to running and exercising, you would notice it because you suddenly can't run quite as far. But it progresses to a point where um, playing with your kids or brushing your hair or um, getting right cooking or something like that becomes not really possible. And, and some people progress to a point where they need an oxygen tank all the time. And that particular kind of a disease, um, uh, pulmonary disease, a lung disease, uh, is a lot like finances and financial health. If your finances are in decent shape, you can run your marathon and you don't think about your finances as much. But when your finances are really hurting and you're not able to, to do what God's called you to do, um, you think about it all the time. Uh, when you're thinking about you know, cooking a meal or thinking about going out and doing what it is that God's called you to. Um, I like, I like this I like the illustration of finances being like breathing because it's not something that we want to elevate and make um, more important than it is. It is important in that it, it, you receive funds in normal life if you're not a missionary, right? You work, you receive funds, you spend the money on rent or food or whatever it is you have to do. It's just a normal function of, of how uh, life works. Um, and, effect, it, and my heart, my, my goal for this a uh, little seminar on how to raise support is to lean into um, just trying to get your respiratory system working, if you want to think about it that way. Um, it's not to try and make you a doctor or even proclaim that I'm a doctor or something like that, but it's to try and say, uh, what can we do to make sure that we're healthy and our finances are, are enabling us to do work? Here's a quick test. <clears throat> if you have, if I, if my, if one of my best friends, Elliot, called me and he said, Ben, I'm having trouble with my wife, Rachel. Will you meet me for coffee to talk about this? If my first thought is, I can't afford a cup of coffee, then something might be wrong. Not, in, not that coffee is everything. The point is that if, if I'm feeling like I need to, if, if, I, if a circumstance comes up where I can minister to somebody and God can use me really obviously in someone else's life and very low stakes finances are prohibiting me from doing that, it might be just like the, you know, getting out of bed and realizing you're out of breath is an indication like maybe I should get this looked at. Um, so I just kind of position that as we start here. Not everybody's got financial woes or something like that, um, but it doesn't hurt to, to hear about how to, how to improve it. My background, I'll give you a little bit more of my story in a minute, but I work in the business world right now. I'm not a full-time speaker on how to do finances. Um, but in the business world, there are lots of different parts to a business. And I'll sometimes throw out a couple business ideas for you because they apply really, really well. This is a good example of them. In uh, business, there are a lot of different parts of uh, a product or a service that someone might give to you. And at the very front end of that business, is what's called revenue generation. In other words, bringing the money in, the oxygen in to the business so that it can function. 
There are all these other roles like information technology, operations, product delivery, product support, development, and so on. We're not going to talk about any of that. All we're going to talk about, in other words, I'm not going to tell you how to be a missionary. Okay? <laughs> and I'm not going to dive deep into things that are really like outside of the scope. This is only a two-day seminar. It's super short. Um, and I did that on purpose because um, nobody signed up to do missions so that they could raise support. <laughs> that's, not what you, that's not what you want to do. This is a very simple approach to raising funds um, and to doing this. And so uh, I want to stay in my lane, if you want to think about it that way. I just want to be very focused as to what we're going to talk about. <clears throat> Before we go into the content itself, I do want to pause and kind of help you get a pulse on yourself. Uh, when you hear the phrase raising support, what kind of feelings does that stir in you? Uh. That is a feeling. <laughs> or budgeting, or finances in general. How do, how do you feel? Anybody else? Yeah, not a fan. Not, not a, a fan? Of <laughs> not a fan of budgeting. Responsibility to manage responsibility what, to yeah, manage, managing what people give you, being responsible with it. Um, and then on a scale of 1 to 10, this is a helpful gauge for us, how comfortable are you with talking to people about supporting you? Uh, 1 being like, oh, I don't want anybody to know that I need support. And 10 being like, oh, when I jump on a train, I hop off the train, I got a new supporter because I just started talking to that person about what I do and they love it. Right? So there are people who are naturally on one end or the other. Um, just write it down. If, <laughs> you don't have to tell me. You can keep it a secret if you want. Uh, there's nothing wrong with either. Um, but we'll come back to this question at the end. My hope in sharing this content is to help move you from maybe a 1 to a 4 or a 5 to an 8. Just going up the scale is what we're going for here. Getting more comfortable with it, not being afraid. Um, the times that I've been able to share this content with people, my favorite part of the training is the very end. I like pop up a little camera, and anybody who wants to just say what it was like for them and what their experience was, they do. And the feedback that I've received is people saying, wow, I was, I've been in missions for five years, and I've always been scared of this topic and calling people and the fear is gone. Uh, and that's, that's my, it is kind of, I know uh, when Jesus talks about the, um, the, the person who has the pearl of great price and he sells everything that he has just to purchase that one pearl, th that's the gospel. And this isn't the gospel, but this is some kind of pearl. So... I'm excited to share it with you. <laughs> this is how I feel about it, just to, just to let you know. Okay. Uh, and here's a, here's a fun scripture to get us started. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and who've made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. All right. <clears throat> I was a missionary kid. That's why I'm here <laughs> with, with YWAM in Hawaii. My parents were missionaries there. 
Um, <laughs> I thought I had to have that face on to be a Ninja Turtle. I'm the, I'm the purple one, uh, Donatello in the middle there. And uh, I loved being a missionary kid myself, uh, going to worship services all the time, having people come in from all over the world and sharing something so powerful that they would drop whatever they were doing, give up everything that they have, sell everything that they have to get that pearl of great price. And that was so powerful for me as a kid. So anybody who has, who has children and are, and are in missions, I love you. Children are a blessing. I have four and one on the way. So I'm all about, all about kids and all love missions. Uh, that's, that's part of my story. Um, but when I was 10, moved to the Philadelphia area where I became a normal child. I went to uh, uh, Drexel University for media arts and design as a music industry major, and then went to Australia to do a discipleship training school with Brisbane, Australia, uh, for musicians, artists, and dancers. It was a treat, uh, and I loved it. And then I came back and worked at a church for a couple years while I was finishing my degree at school. Um, oh, I could mention that while when I felt called, there's all kinds of calling and, and God interacting in this story, but we're low on time, so I'm just trying to like blaze through the story here. Um, but I, I will add this little nugget because it's relevant for missionaries, which is I uh, remember the second year in my, the end of my first year at college, I woke up in the, what felt like the early hours of the day, which for a college student was probably 6 a.m., and uh, remembered that I wanted to, to do a DTS because it was something my, my, my mom had always wished for all of her kids. She thought it was such a great thing for everybody. Um, and then I remembered that I was already in school and it was too late because I have all these student loans and how could I get away to, to do it. Uh, but within two weeks, I found out the loans could be um, paused. And within that summer, I had all the funds raised to be able to do it. And God really like powerfully provided for me in that, uh, in that preparation, in that time. And sometimes God does work that way, just like confirming that he wants you to do it by providing really miraculously, really quickly, right? Um, and that, that's part of my story. But finished that DTS, came back, worked at a church for a few years. Uh, after school, I stayed on for three years. And I just felt like God, um, I, wa I wanted to learn to have more to give to the church and to missions and to ministry and felt called out, out of ministry. I felt God was leading me out. So uh, a friend of mine recommended I start a job at, uh, at some construction company. It was like they are selling office trailers. Do you know office trailers that sit outside construction sites? Anyway, they said it was a good, a good job. I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know what sales was as a thing. I didn't know it existed. But I did some business-to-business -business sales. Turned out I was pretty good at it, and I enjoyed it. I loved talking to people about something that had value and um, as an invitation, right? Not forcing people to do anything, but just inviting them, hey, this thing exists. It might help you. Would you be interested in hearing about it? And uh, it turns out it fit. I, learned, I started managing people, training other people, and now fast forward a bunch of years, and here I am with all these kids, and um, I'm a director of business development at another company, several companies later. Um, and that's what I do. Uh, but why am I here? Well, a friend of mine went to YWAM Boston. His name is Zach Ocker. And he started there full time 
after being there for a short school, like a three-month Bible school. And I asked him, do you know how to raise funds? Do you feel like you know what you're doing? Because I remembered from my background that I didn't really get any intel on how to raise funds other than my parents kind of like trying to walk me through it. Uh, and he said, not really. I talked to him for the evening, probably two or three hours about it. And, um, and he was excited about some of the content. He said, can you talk to the Boston-based directors and maybe share this with other people there? Because I know a handful of us don't really know what we're doing. So I did. I talked to them. Oh, I'll go back. Um, prepared a, I, at this point, I was in business development in the business world, training people in how to do sales, business to business sales. So not calling you while you're at the dinner table, but like calling actual businesses that might actually need what you have. And um, I had been hiring and training people. And so I basically just put together some training content, two days worth of content, went up to Boston, shared it there. And before they took the training, I spoke with my point of contact, uh, Amanda, and, she, and I said, how is everybody with their funds right now? She said, uh, she gave me the numbers, and half of the people had paid their funds, their dues, that what they were, what, what they'd owed to the base to just live on base and to be uh, on staff, and half had not. Six months later, I checked in with her. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> I checked in with her six months later after the training, and they were at 93%. And they had more people on staff at that point than they had when, when I started. So they took some of the, a lot of the core content. Nothing that I'm going to share with you is uh, especially special. Um, a lot of it comes from the business world and how the business operates. You could think of um, the centurion uh, that Jesus talks to. You'll remember he was a Roman soldier. He came up to Jesus. He said, my service, servant is sick and needs your help. And Jesus said, I'll come to him. And, G and the centurion said, that's OK. Just say the word, and I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm a man under authority, too. I, I tell someone to go, and they go. I tell someone to come, and they come. You just say the word. And Jesus said, I haven't seen such faith in my you know, God-fearing community, the Jewish community, as I'm seeing from this Roman guy. And this is kind of like. It's, it's kind of like that. There's, um, there's such faith in the business community about how business works. And I'm, I'm bringing you some content today that you don't have to believe it, <laughs> right? But like whole businesses are built around it, and it just works. It's pretty straightforward. But I'm coming as a missionary kid who loves Jesus, and uh, it's not just about getting working harder and it's not just about the miraculous God providing out of nowhere. It's a really fun intersection where we get to partner with Jesus. And we get to share a yoke with him. And the yoke is easy and the burden is light. Good word. All right. <clears throat> so my goal, um, this is the hard part, is if you've ever studied how to teach people, people don't learn good. And the reason is because we don't know how to um, first really assimilate the knowledge, but then we don't want to change our behavior. Or it's just you carve paths that are common and familiar to you, and you just keep doing what you're used to doing. And that's just normal human behavior. Um, so I'm telling you now that I'm going to ask you to change some behavior, and you're not going to want to do it. 
Sorry. Um, it's just like anything, right? Anything good you've learned how to do. If you know how to ice skate, if you know how to sing or play an instrument or do a sport, you never like the unfamiliar movement when you start, but you sure like it when you're playing later. Um, and this won't feel fun right away, but I'm telling you, I, I'm having fun. <laughs> and it, get, it gets to be more fun with, with time. Uh, you'll also need some accountability, just because of that behavior thing, if you're honest with yourself. Um, also, one thing I want to do as we go is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set a little timer for myself. And about every 45 minutes, I've got a lot of content. There will be some questions that I'm going to have you guys answer with each other. I'm going to have you guys write some things down. Um, but there is a good deal of ideas and, and content I'm going to be sharing. I'm going to pause myself every 50 minutes and have you turn to pair off into groups of two. And for five minutes, one of you is going to share what you heard from those 45 to 50 minutes. And then the other person is going to share what they heard. So just five minutes per person. The point in that is not, um, it's not to make sure you got all the content. It's because it helps you learn if you repeat what you heard after you hear it. Uh, that's just uh, how, we, that's how we learn, if you narrate back what you've heard. Uh, and so I want to make sure I give time for that so that at the end of today, you aren't like, well, I don't remember any of that, but so that you can point back and say, oh, I do remember this, 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 and this. All right. Here's an overview of the content. First, we're going to talk about finances broadly in, from a Christian worldview. Then we'll talk about goals, uh, financially speaking. Then we'll talk about this concept of value proposition, which is a totally businessy word. And I'll throw some businessy words out there, um, but don't be scared. It's reasonable. Yes? Question. Yeah. I mean, yes. I can send this to you afterward. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I probably should have given it to you beforehand so you could jot notes on it, but that's a lot of printing. Um, after value proposition, which is probably my favorite part, um, we'll talk about prospecting, which is a really old term um, that refers to, like, if you've ever heard of an old prospector or somebody who's out there trying to find gold, uh, it just basically means you're, you're looking, looking for the for the right fit, the person who wants to support you. Um, then we talk about objections, which is a sales term. It just means when people don't say yes, they don't usually say no. They say other things, like, I'm too busy. Um, it, uh, I, don't, I can't afford that right now. Or I don't like YOM as an organization. Or uh, why should I give you money when I don't know, something, something. I don't know. There, there are reasons people give you, right? Objections is the term used in sales. It's not a great term. Uh, but it just means when people don't say yes to supporting you, what are they saying? And there's usually a pretty short list of the things people might say. And a lot of why you don't want to call people and ask them to support you is because you're scared of those objections. Um, if you're a normal human, I'm scared of objections. People are scared of being rejected. Um, at some level. But if you are prepared in advance for those common responses with a response to it that's loving and thoughtful and not combative, um, you'll feel much more comfortable picking up the phone and, and talking to people because you'll have the, the fear kind of out of the way. 
Then we'll talk about how to have a meeting, preparing, managing, and closing a meeting, how to follow through, and how to organize newsletters. Everybody kind of does newsletters a little bit differently, but I just have a, a couple ideas on how to organize content so that it's not as stressful as it actually is. I find writing newsletters to be very stressful uh, when I'm not organized about it. So I'll just kind of walk you through something that I find helpful. And this is over today and tomorrow. Don't worry, it's not all today. But it's a lot. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's, a, I mean, that's a great comment. Um, and to, it's, it's right on point. Um, YWAM does things in a very particular way, uh, inviting people to have faith and take risk, which is something Jesus does, right? You see that in Scripture. He sends people out specifically without uh, a bag or anything like that. Um, let's talk about faith and work as, as we get started here. Um, first, uh, you'll remember a story um, about a boy who went to a conference, and he, uh, he had some allergy problems, so he packed his own lunch. But when they went in, all the security said, no food, no anything for this conference. But he said, I've got this allergy. So they're like, OK, come on in. There was an all-day-long conference. Toward the end of the day, they realized all the food vendors weren't actually brought in by the conference organizers. People were starting to get concerned because there wasn't any food on site. The um, boy raised up his little bread thing, gave it to the main speaker who broke it, blessed it, shared. There was plenty for everybody to eat, right? It's like the Jesus story. You know that one. I'm just trying to make it a little more modern, a little fresh. Um, and you'll also remember uh, the story that Jesus talks about where um, God prov provides for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Um, the birds of the air have everything that they need, and they don't store up in barns and storehouses. The flowers of the field are the most beautiful, more beautiful than Solomon, and they, don't, they aren't storing things up. God provides for them. But God made them to work the way that they do. Um, the phrase uh, in, I don't know if it's American or English more broadly, but the early bird gets the worm. They wake up really early, and they hustle for that food. Um, so... Uh, I just want to kind of like highlight that. And also that we, as um, different denominations and different people, can lean into two different sides of what, how God speaks, right? Um, one, God does work miraculously, supernaturally. And there are whole denominations that are just about the supernatural. There are others that are very much about like work. And um, I, I even think about, I was. <laughs> I shouldn't go down a rabbit trail here, but there, there's a, a book I was reading about the Amish recently. And, uh, and it was just talking about how in their culture, the idea is like, just work and let that be your witness, right? Um, but Jesus invites us to do both. And he actually, I alluded to it earlier, but he wants to partner with us. He wants to be yoked with us. And my dad always told me growing up that God didn't create work as part of the curse, as part of the fall. Work was created before the fall. Adam was created to work in the garden, so much so that he had a helpmate, Eve, who showed up to help work as well. So there's no absence of work that God is inviting us to. He's inviting us to work with him. And work is good. It's the toil that's part of the curse, right? Where you're working and not getting anything for your effort. The sweat of your brow, right? 
Um, so I just want to start with that. Work is good. It can be good. And Jesus wants to partner with us in it, which is great news. Come to me, this is Jesus talking, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My wife, uh, Jessica, loves bird feeders, and she loves stocking it all the time, but those birds, would you believe it or not, are slobs. <laughs> they cannot help themselves. They just knock those seeds all off that bird feeder all day long, and look what shows up. Nobody was trying to plant those sunflowers. They just got knocked off that thing by those birds. And that's really how uh, fundraising and evangelism and many other things operate in the world that God created. You don't have to, you don't even have to try if you have enough seed. You just sow a bunch of seeds. Some falls on good ground, some falls on bad ground. And you're going to get some good, producing, miraculous plants that show up, as long as you're sowing seed. Again, good news and the natural way God designed the world. There's a lot of people who put their faith in business because God made the way economy and like sowing and reaping works. It was, that natural world was God's design too. I mean, don't get me wrong, there can be corruption and sin, <coughs> sin touches everything. Um, but we've got God who works miraculously as well. Uh, and Jesus loves talking about the natural world if you read him. Um, <clears throat> this will be hard for some of you, um, easier for others, as I alluded to earlier. Philippians 4.19 says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Um, For those of you who are uncomfortable, who labeled yourself as toward the one on the scale of one to ten, with comfort of sharing, asking people for support, um, I would encourage you to look at this um, almost like I like the the visual of Play-Doh. Uh, if you're familiar with it, you have these different shapes. It's still the same dough; it's just a different shape. You don't have to stop being you to raise funds. You just have to find a different shape of same you. Um, or like learning a new skill, like learning how to play soccer, you don't stop being a musician just because you decide to play a sport. You're still you. Um, it just takes some practice and, and some new experience. Those of you who are really natural, great communicators, uh, this content is something that's going to be like putting bones in a body. It gives you better structure so you can move farther and faster and actually have extra to give to other people. This is an interesting idea that's in 2 Corinthians, and God will generously provide all you need. Good. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Did you know that was in there? That that's part of the, par that's part of the Christian paradigm is that you would have extra. Um, this isn't health and wealth or prosperity gospel. This is just like the way God designed the world is that you should have more than you need to be able to give to others. How can you be generous if you don't have anything? You can't give what you don't have is a, a fun phrase that I think applies here. 
I want to talk to you about the idea of stewardship. Uh, you alluded to this earlier. I'm sorry, what's your name? Oh, Dale. Dale. Uh, you had alluded to stewardship. If people give you funds, like what's the right thing to do with those funds and being responsible with them? Uh, I think, well, let me read the passage to you. Uh, no, no, I'll read the passage af after I kind of tee it up. Um, one thing that we've inherited from the, the generations before us, from specifically the Depression era generation in the United States, is this idea of um, good stewardship means protecting what you have. Right? So at the time, a quarter of the US population was unemployed. Everybody felt the pain of it. And you'd just retie your shoelaces as many times as you could get them to last. You would, and being a good steward meant keeping what you have from, um, from being wasted. You didn't want to waste anything, right? And so even some, some of our grandparents now may have some hoarding issues, like protecting what they have, like keeping everything. You can't throw anything away because it would be a waste. Um, and that's where we are in history. Like That's part of our culture. But I would challenge you with this passage we're about to read, that good stewardship is not actually about protecting what you have from a biblical perspective, but about increasing what you've been, increasing what you've been given. And this is Jesus talking. Are you ready? Oh, I'll read it out loud for you. I don't have it on the slide. <clears throat> you can look it up for yourself, though, in Luke 19. It says, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minus and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had been given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I, laid, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you. Because you are a severe man, you take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. It's a kind of grim end to the story. But um, <laughs> the point I want, you to, I, I want you to hear from that, and as you go through and listen to Jesus' parables about sowing seed and the kingdom of God, he uses it all the time. He talks about the mustard seed that grows so big that birds are able to nest in it. He talks about sowing seed, and some produces a little bit, and some produces hundreds of times what its one seed was. Um, we'll kind of keep moving here, um, but I do want to drop that first seed in your mind, which is to say 
Jesus loves growth uh, of his kingdom, um, but even just in nature if you look around. Everything wants to grow and to increase, not for excess's sake, but for generosity's sake, as we looked at earlier. Uh, second thought about finances, uh, it can also be a category of idolatry if you're not careful. Right? You see that throughout scripture for sure. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I hope, I hope you're hearing the tension in the topic. Oh, I should have mentioned, this isn't just for you. This is also for your supporters, people who support you. Stewardship and idolatry. It's not this, this whole, you know how you don't want to listen to a sermon on Sunday and just be thinking about the person next to you? Well, this is one of those contexts where you don't want to just be thinking about you and your finances. Actually, do be thinking about the person next to you. Think about um, the person who's going to be supporting you. When you invite them to support you, you're inviting them to be generous with the extra they have or with whatever they have, whether it's extra or part of you know, their core budget. right? Um, but you're also helping them not get hung up in their abundance of possessions, because that's not where life is. Uh, finally, when we look at scripture, uh, it actually is described as a health indicator. Let's look at some passages. This is, there's like so much in the Bible you could look at about finances. But I'm just going to kind of like lump it into a few little categories so we can get our mind around. Again, this is just two days of talking. This first, I just want to make sure we're starting at a right biblical perspective before we jump into any kind of businessiness so that we can be in line with, with what God would say about, about finances. Uh, here are just a few passages. If we could, there's so many. Um, Jesse, could you read the first three? Sure. Proverbs 10.4, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Proverbs 10.15, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. Proverbs 13.22, good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. That's great. Could you hand it to somebody else who can read three more? Who wants to do the next one? Anybody? Can anybody see the board? No. Oh, it's too small. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's pretty far for you guys. Sorry. All hard works bring the profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Proverbs 4, 14, 23. Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing. Proverbs 20, verse 4. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Proverbs 21, 5. Thanks. Uh, and if you are untrustworthy, this is a, a, a sharp one. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? That is from Jesus. <laughs> so pay attention, right? Oh, uh, categorically, I had that as finances as an indicator of overall health and responsibility. Uh, this next chunk is finances as an indicator of oppression. This is kind of the other side. Again, you'll, you're, you're going to hear a little bit of tension in here. I'll read this to us from Isaiah 10, verse 1 to 3. Woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees, and the writers who keep writing oppression. 
to turn aside the needy from justice and to rob the poor of my people uh, of their right, that widows may be their spoil and that they may make the, the fatherless their prey. What will you do on the day of punishment in the ruin that will come from afar? To whom will you flee for help and where will you leave your wealth? And then in Amos 5, Therefore, because you trample on the poor and you exact taxes of grain from him, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. And finally, whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. Um, so there is an interesting tension where it's like, if you can have your act together from a financial perspective, it's an indication of good health and uh, blessing from God, but then also there can be external forces that do harm to the financial well-being of people as well. And then finally, um, there's an interesting idea here in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 9. Um, we want to know, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they have given... For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So this is uh, not just giving from what you have, but giving more than what you have. Um, and this idea of putting yourself at a disadvantage for someone else's advantage from a financial perspective, that's biblically sound. That's good. But there is an idea of like the Catholic Church had this idea of uh, taking a life of voluntary poverty uh, a long time ago. I don't know if they still do it. Anybody know? My wife grew up Catholic, not me. Um, <laughs> but um, I think that when we look at the Bible, we see living with less as usually a temporary thing. It is something that is biblical, just like fasting. You should fast. Jesus says when you fast, not if you fast, right? And finances can kind of work similarly as well. You'll have downtimes, but generally, God wants you to have food. Um, just throwing that out there. All right. We're almost done the finances section. How are you guys feeling? Everybody still with me? All right. Yes, we can. Okay. Um, Here's another great verse about, uh, <coughs> about God's generosity and his perspective. Can anybody read it, first of all, from the distance? It's bigger, right? A little bit bigger? Jesse, can you send that mic to... Jaden just told me it's not working, so... Oh. Well, I'll just say it then. All right, I'll read out loud then. Uh, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Um, God, would you help us to receive from you uh, both from, uh, from supporters, 
from teaching, from training. Um, help us to be diligent in seeking, asking, and knocking, knowing that you're good and you'll give us what we need and partner with us as we, as we work. All right. Amen. Um, the next section here is goals. This is probably a good spot to... Ooh, that is somewhere... That's right. Um, can we take... Actually, we'll do the potty break in just a minute. Could you guys pair off into groups of two? It could be someone next to you or somebody else in the room. And each of you just take a turn sharing what stuck out to you from <coughs> that particular chunk of content. And then you can go to the bathroom. <laughs>